know, to some degree, everybody's making it up as they go. It is a really dynamic industry, and it's it's hard to say like, oh, I have the secrets to the universe. optics are everything. Um, I was surprised how important optics were. Um, you could be doing the best work for a client, but if they don't perceive it a certain way, it doesn't matter. I could come in and say, hey, my problem uh, is don't have I don't have enough or hey, I don't have a website, I don't have enough leads doing, coming in or my sales you know, guys with the sales, uh, like, don't have do enough I do? leads or uh, hey, I don't have a website. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Challenge Tuny podcast. I'm Chris Lawson, your host. We have a very intriguing episode today, one of which has really been um, sparked from a previous episode talking about professional services, how to market them, the ups and downs that come with that. And we found that there was a lot of conversation triggered around agency life or running an agency as a professional service. So uh, we decided today, instead of doing a traditional episode where Jordan and I talk and then we go on to an interview or a, a session with a guest that we go right into it with three people talking about this very uh, delicate, um, sometimes trendy, and in our case, very exciting topic. So that being said, I'm joined by two people today. The first being Jordan Wolf, who everyone has met many, many times. Uh, Jordan, fun fact about him, he only believes it's, I don't know, justifiable to cry at funerals, and the Grand Canyon, uh, makes a lot of sense. And we're joined by a previous guest, somebody who's really close to our agency at Atrium, Parneet Dilawari, who is not only an agency principal, but also very caught up in the operations and project management at his agency, Acceleration Driven, which is both in Vancouver and in in Reno now, Parneet, isn't that right? Yes, officially in Reno. Officially in Reno. What made you move from Vancouver to Reno? Well, you know, it's interesting. I got married, so ah. I kind of had to uh, follow the wife. Mm. She's uh, doing her PhD at the at UNR, and uh, kind of didn't have a you know a choice. But it's a it's a good city. What you could have said for brownie points is that you moved for love, but you know. <laughs> wow, I'm just, just saying. I did move for love. Did you move for love? <laughs> Well, we have a we have a very interesting episode. Like I said, um, it's going to follow um, a, a different format. Um, we've been very blessed by our viewers, by people we're connected with, staff even. Um, and when we did our professional um, services episode, we had a whole bunch of questions that came in regarding agency life, and we never have focused on one episode. We actually kind of. Jordan, we kind of tiptoe around the topic of of Atrium or our agency because we don't really utilize this as a as an Atrium thing. But um, I think today we will be kind of opening up a little bit more about how we operate through a whole ton or a whole slew of questions that people have thrown our way um, and just go through them. I guess, I, I don't know, there's probably about 10 or so that we highlighted um, and you guys don't even really know what they are. So this will be fun. No, you guys this is going to be good. Yeah, you Put ready? Put us in the hot seat. Let's do it. Let's do it. In the hot seat. Jordan, I'm not used to you wearing a beanie today. Didn't shave my head. Didn't shave. Payment. <laughs> Payment is I have to wear this. <laughs> Maybe well, you want to just shave your head on this podcast, live for everyone. Hey, we get uh, enough people subscribing, maybe. There you go. There you go. <laughs> cue, cue the subscription button. You know, if, if you haven't subscribed, yeah. um, uh, you please see do. Jordan shave his head live on a podcast, make sure you subscribe. Yeah. Absolutely. Gonna, uh, that doesn't mean that if you don't want to see that, you unsubscribe, though. So just <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll say that's what episode, you know, 100 or something like that. We'll, we'll make you grow your hair out, get mm-hmm. a perm, and then you can shave it. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, the very first question that I thought was really interested, which was... Um, as agency owners, what motivates you each day? Like what, what gets you up? What, what fires you up about actually running a marketing agency? Who wants to go first? I'll go first, I guess, on this one, Parneet, to jump in whenever you feel like it. But, um, yeah, this one's easy for me. Um, I'm both a workaholic and 
kind of obsessed with solving problems. So a marketing agency, being able to work with a variety of different clients, different industries, different problems, different scales of operation that, that they're dealing with. Um, there's always something new. And I've been doing this long enough now, but you know, 16 plus years that even now, every single day has some kind of a surprise to it, some sort of mm -hmm. a new thing that I've got to solve. Um, on top of that is the layer of you know, building a, a agency itself. Agencies are complex. There's a lot of moving pieces. I'm sure we'll cover that in some of the other questions that might come up here. Um, but it's it's a people business. There's moving uh, process issues. There's different technologies and things emerging all the time. So that problem solving side of me, that curiosity, that wanting to build something, change something, that's, uh, that's a huge part of who I am and what uh, makes me happy. Uh, sometimes uh, begrudgingly to to my uh, partner's dismay, but uh, that keeps me busy day and night. Yes, that is. Thank you for throwing me in there. How about you, Parneen? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's it's uh, it's two uh, multiple, I guess, uh, things that kind of you know uh, keep me going and make me want to you know come back and do this uh, day in day out. Uh, one. Uh, uh, like Jordan, I, I do. I, I love helping business owners, and I love helping entrepreneurs uh, yeah. build, launch, and grow their businesses. So uh, that really, you know, having that ability to interact with clients and solve big problems and uh, get them the results that they want uh, definitely uh, is one of the the reasons that I'm in the agency world. Uh, the other is uh, I, I do like the flexibility aspect of it. Uh, you know, having uh, now working in Reno, uh, sometimes coming up to see you guys in Edmonton or being in Vancouver. Um, I, I like the flexibility of being in uh, in a different uh, place uh, if need be and uh, when I want to be. So th 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 I, th those are one of the reasons. I, I can actually really relate to that. Um, for me, I have a heart for people. So whether it was before I worked in marketing and I worked in the bank or anything I've ever tried to do, it's always been centered around helping people. So number one, you have the ability to really bless and impact the staff's lives that, that are underneath your banner. Number two, you're marketing for businesses or organizations, non-for-profits, whatever municipalities that all have an objective. And usually with people uh, at the helm who don't know what the heck they're doing. So being able to kind of go in there and help them achieve those objectives and goals means something to me. And then the same thing applies with the people they're trying to meet and work with. So um, if you have a product that is able to impact people's lives, well, we're working to help impact those people's lives by connecting them with that product. So for me, it's, yeah, I can I can relate to what you're saying, Parneet. I, it's, it's the people, it, it, the people aspect is a very, very, very big yeah. part for me. I think that's the that's the fun part as well. Just because you're working yeah. on a different problem on on, on every any given day. Uh, way back in the day when I was in high school, I had a job at Savon Foods. I hey, got fired too. from that job. Hey, I did. Not. <laughs> I did, I did. Get fired. Uh, <laughs> and when uh, when I was fired, um, my boss sat me down and said, "You are not meant to work for someone." I was like, "I don't know how to take this." And you know, high school me is like. Okay, what do no I way. do? And yeah, uh, and uh, at that point, I was like, "Well, what are my passions, and where where do I want to go?" And um, you know, uh, websites was uh, where I started, and ironically, did the full circle when I started my agency, and now, you know, I, I, I live and breathe the the website world. Well, let's let's continue on that same topic. I mean, obviously, we know what motivates you, but what's one thing that has surprised you? the most about running an agency? Like, has there been one thing or, or a group of things that just you weren't expecting? Pardon you want to start on this one? I took the last one. Yeah, sure. Um, the HR headaches that can sometimes uh, come up, uh, whether it being uh, finding staff um, or staff leaving or uh, needing to scale and when to scale, uh, those are things that... Uh, I didn't know going into this, um, and I was always focused on uh, delivering a product that um, those issues were never, uh, you know, part of the equation. But as we scaled and as we got bigger and as we have more clients, um, that was something that I had to learn and learn fast. And uh, um, I, I think that was the most surprising thing uh, when it comes to uh, to basically running the agencies. Well, I think I think any entrepreneur 
gets to that place where, you know, you start something yeah. because you're passionate, you have a service, a product that's going to revolutionize the, the industry or whatever. And then guess what? You hit a point of scalability where you're not just by yourself anymore. You have people and people are just like everybody has problems and we're flawed. <laughs> so, you know, just the, the sticky nature of, of, um, of staffing, um, although it's my favorite part, it, it can also be the challenge, most challenging. Absolutely, Pranay. Uh, yeah. Yeah, for me, it's more been lessons I've learned over time that have been like little surprises. And, you know, when I first started in this agency before I was running an agency, you know, I, I distinctly remember the kind of first aha moment I had about the industry, though, which was, you know, meeting a lot of agency heads, a lot of people that are, you know, even people you might know that are kind of influencing the the growth of agencies um you know to some degree everybody's making it up as they go it is a really dynamic industry and it's it's hard to say like oh i have the secrets to the universe but that is in a lot of ways what a lot of agencies are selling is they're saying mm-hmm. i do know the secrets to the universe you know trust me when behind the scenes they're really going like mm, how do i figure this out and how you know who's going to do what and let's let's just work the problem um so I saw both the good and the bad from that. And that, that was something that kind of piqued my interest in going, okay, this is a very peculiar industry. It's an industry that's both, you know, stable and tries to communicate that it's got its things figured out. But at the same time, behind the scenes, it's running around, things are on fire, things are, you know, mm-hmm. being just formulated for the first time and made up as we go. Um, you know, for me, I saw that as a challenge that, that could be solved um, a little bit more um, honestly, um, a little bit more methodically. So that's where my engineer's mindset kind of kicks in and I start problem solving. Well, you know, why we should have more, you know, clarity on why we're doing what we're doing, how we're doing what we're doing and what the results are going to be. So that, that has resulted in the particular industry we've built over time. Um, so I would say that's probably one of those insights. Uh, if we had a full, you know, three hour episode, maybe I'd go into a few more. Mm -hmm. What chapters? (laughs) Which, yeah. I think for me, um, obviously I knew the questions coming into this and I was thinking about this one. It, it was hard because you learn a lot of lessons throughout agency life or just being an entrepreneur. Um, I think the biggest surprise for me was un- was probably an epiphany around the topic of optics. Optics are everything. Um, I was surprised how important optics were. Um, you could be doing the best work for a client, but if they don't perceive it a certain way, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. You know, you could you could have everything scheduled and have everything exactly where it needs to be, but if the client's expectations or what they see from their lens is different, it doesn't matter. You can be 100% right and still be 100% wrong. And optics, whether it be your automations or how professional you are, you know, in, at communicate, communicating or how professional you are with your slide decks, your reporting, you know, everything. Optics can mean everything. You can look way bigger than you are. You can look way, way worse than you actually are and everything in between. So I think for me, uh, it was very surprising that, that as an agency owner, we really had to hone in on the topic of optics across our entire company in every single part of our business. That That's kind of an interesting one because that can be also said about people who are in the job or a role for, you know, uh, we're in the client to agency dynamic, but if you have a job and you, you're accountable to your boss, you also have a bit of you know, I call it um, stagecraft, where it's like you can be doing all the right work and achieving all the goals and doing all the things. But if your boss or the person you're working with, in our case, a client, can't see that and it's not in a way that they understand and presented in a way that they can really comprehend and put in their own context, then you might as well be doing nothing or the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, these are these are kind of universal truths that an agency has to build that into the model in order to be successful. But even as individuals, as you go through your career, that can be, you know, good advice in general. Mm-hmm. All right, here's an interesting one. This is kind of going a little bit a different direction. Uh, and I don't know how we're going to answer this, but how many softwares do you use? <laughs> <laughs> Too many. How, mm. yeah, how long is a rope, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, well, I, I... Yeah. Uh, there's there's softwares for pretty much everything that we do. Um 
the, the honest truth about the agency world is it's, it is a tight industry, meaning margins are tight, timelines are tight, mm -hmm. efficiency is tight, communication is difficult. There's lots of different people with very specialized skills and abilities that communicate in different ways, come in and out of projects at different parts. So, you know, project management tools, time management tools, uh, CRMs, there's, you know, ones that are specific to particular roles like advertising management tools, reporting tools, analytics tools, content tools, proofing tools, social tools, et cetera. Mm -hmm. You know, there, there is a large percentage of our budget that goes to, um, softwares in order to do the project, right. Maximize the value for clients, make sure it's done, you know, efficiently mm -hmm. for us as a business and keeps the whole ball rolling forward. And, and one that's probably most important to me, especially at this point in our agency is those tools that allow us to really measure and understand the kind of friction points in our own approach. Um, mm -hmm. you know, where are we improving? Where, where are we running into issues? And that, that not only has things to say about our profitability as a business, making sure we're efficient and effective, but also as a tool to make sure that, uh, we're being, um, increasing the value for our clients over time, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, I think I'll just jump in on this one considering we're talking about the same agency. Um, softwares to have softwares is is ridiculous. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be somebody listening to this podcast who's, you know, works for some software company who's like, oh, I can get you 10 of those, you know, off your, you know, books and give you this one. And I, I think it's important to use utilize a software that works the best for your process and works the best for what your clients need, whether it be transparency or approvals or whatever. Like there've been times that we've had softwares just not function the way that we need them to. And you just go back to like a, like a spreadsheet, you know, um, other than staffing. Yeah. A hundred percent. Our next biggest cost is software. Mm -hmm. And I think some people who are not in our market would not get that. They think what, like more than your rent or your mortgage more than, you know, your operation stuff. No. Yeah. Software. It's huge. Tens and tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. The oh, yeah. analysis uh, paralysis phase of, of software is, is dangerous to, it's a pit to fall into where you're like looking for that perfect unicorn software that does everything perfectly. It doesn't exist. It just mm -hmm. never exists. So, you know, finding and, the right tool over the right place works, but yeah. go ahead, captain shiny things. Yeah, yeah, Captain Shiny. That's what I was about to say. Jordan will tell me about a new web builder, and he did earlier today. And guess what? What am I doing today? Signing up for an account to see what that's like. Um, I think I have like six different web building tools that we subscribe to. Um, so yeah, software is our biggest uh, expense outside of uh, HR. Um, and uh, I think my daily use, I think I'm at like 20 different things that I'm in and out of and that's and not that's, and counting that's not like, that's not counting plugins and things within yeah that's what I was saying so yeah. that's not counting plugins like if we're talking plugins like it, over the last six months I've used like a hundred different plugins yeah it, it and that's conservative um, or chrome and, extensions and <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah I mean uh, I I'm shiny object syndrome when it comes to software so you know, if Jordan told me tomorrow that uh, there was a new CRM tool that is all AI, guess what? I'd probably be signing up and going like, hey, guys, this is great. And then only to find out like six months later that I've made the worst yeah, decision you, of my life. You have to go to AA, Apoholics Anonymous. Oh. oh. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> there it is. The first time we've ever used a sound effect in our podcast. Because Jordan <laughs> no, told a joke. Awesome. Um, all right, let's move to another question here. Um, hmm, there's so many to choose from. How do you drive business development? I mean, that's that's really a big part of what I do at Atrium. But you know, let's talk. Let's throw it over to you. I talked to Chris. <laughs> I talked to Chris. <laughs> talked to Chris, the guru. Uh, no, uh, you know, and this is, uh, I think, a hard one uh, because. I am so focused and wanting to help clients that I that business development sometimes takes a uh, a back burner, um, and you know I I've been uh, fortunate that we're in a position where a lot of our business is coming through uh, referrals and through word of mouth, so uh, that that's always helped, and um, I think the misconception in the, you know, the industry is, Hey, I'm going to start an agency. I'm going to get all of these clients. And that, it, it doesn't work like that. Um, <laughs> I wish yeah. it did. Um, uh, but I, you know, 
we're taking an approach uh, this year at our agency with a lot more organic, uh, basically, uh, content to kind of drive growth. And uh, uh, from a business development perspective, I think um, actively uh, at some point concentrating on advertising for ourselves as opposed to just only always concentrating on advertising uh, for our clients. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Do you want me to answer Chris, this, Jordan? You'll probably have, you'll, you'll probably have the best, best things. <laughs> but all in all, talk to Chris. Right yes. Yeah, <laughs> talk to talk Chris. To. In addition to that, um, you know, I, I did start my career in some business development, and that, that has a big part of our business model, obviously, is anybody who's in the agency world knows you need to grow. You have to. It's part of yeah. motivation. Yeah. It's part of your career development for your staff. Like, it's part of the model. It's the promise you put out there in the world. Um now, fortunately, we've been in business for quite some time, and as an agency, we're kind of maturing. So we do get, like like Parneet said, quite a bit of referral business, mm-hmm. and we've got a, a, a pretty reliable, you know, um, lead pipeline that we have. But I'd say the phase that we're in right now is kind of interesting, where it's, you know, we probably say no to more people than we say yes by a fair margin, uh, because they're not a good fit, or we we're pretty aware of what businesses work well with what we're offering or that would value what we're doing. And that fit is probably the most important thing for us right now. So as we build our, you know, future version 2.0 of our our, um, sales pipeline, it's going to be more focused on like bringing the right opportunities and not Mm -hmm. more opportunities. So Chris, how's that going? Over to me. Um, I, Look, I could I could sit here and do an entire podcast on this topic, literally, you know, a couple times a week. Um, I'll say this, things have changed and evolved over the years. Um, pre COVID, we could pretty much look at our pipeline and know if it hit 21 days, um, in our pipeline, it was not going to sign. Um, and a, a large percentage, we had a, like over 60% close rate. It was phenomenal. Um, go to today, it, it's coming back to normal, but throughout all the COVID years, uh, pipeline sometimes was six, seven months. And so what you end up learning through that process is regardless of what your proposals look like, regardless if you're using referral sites, which we do, ads and organics, which we do, social, which we do, um, word of mouth, all these things, we, we do it all. Um, at the end of the day, it's a, it's a hands-on consultative approach that works for us. Um, I always think of putting myself in the client's shoes. I don't want to be told what to do. So if I can help clients get to the point where they understand why it makes sense to partner with us um, and come to those conclusions on their own, um, and a lot of the time those conclusions are the same things we came to the conclusions on while while working with them, then it's a slam dunk. Um, I'm going to actually jump into the next question because it ties into what Jordan, you were just saying, which is how do you know when a client is going to be the right fit for your agency? Um, It ties into this question very well because... While I'm talking to them in the initial discovery call or discussion or whatever you want to call it, I'm the whole time I'm qualifying them. I'm not qualifying them as a salesperson trying to make sure I can close it or to understand the persona so that I can, you know, manipulate my words or the documents I send so that it speaks to them and they close. I'm talking to them and qualifying them to ensure that we are actually a good fit for them. If we are not a good fit for them, if I can't get them results, then all that's going to happen is six months from now, they're going to be ticked off, fire us, hurts our reputation. They take that baggage into the next one. In addition to that, I know the client's trying to figure out if I'm a good fit. I don't have to control that. They're doing that on their own, but I'm trying to see, are they growth focused? If they're not growth focused, then they're looking for a one month campaign and they're out the door. Are they of a certain size business model? Now I know that for different industries is very different. You know, there's some businesses where there's only 10 clients in their entire market and they get one sale a year and they're a $10 million business. But a lot of businesses out there are not like that. Um, you know, so so just understanding, you know, how big they are within their industry ensures that they can actually afford services, which by the way, our rates are tied to a certain amount of time that it can actually get results for the client. So I'm tired of agencies. Here's the hot take. I'm tired of you other agencies who are like, oh yeah, we'll get you results and our management fee is $300 a month. All you're doing is you're ticking the client off and they're going to the next agency with all that baggage. You're better off to let them go. Let them go. I'm going to sing a song now. So <laughs> it's, um, yeah. So I don't, Parneet, I'd yeah, love- We don't need D- Disney. Let it go. Yeah. <laughs> um, let it go. <laughs> um, 
for me, uh, can I solve the problem that they have? And is it a problem that we have the expertise to do? Uh, is it something uh, that we can solve in a timely manner? Uh, you know, with websites, it's it's fairly straightforward. Build a website. You know, the, 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 those type of clients are, you know, they have a singular goal that they want a website. But where we really shine is, you know, delivering, you know, either be it leads or, you know, sales development, or in some of our cases with our um, basically more startup clients delivering a, a finalized product to them. So that's where we really shine. And if we can solve that problem, they're they're definitely a good fit. And if they're not a good fit for, for you know, our world, I'm happy to tell them where they need to go. Because mm. yeah, at the end of the day, I... Give them a place to land, uh, and if I can make a connection, I'm you know happy to do that because at the end of the day, I, I think a, too many agencies are, uh, and too many uh, smaller potentially agencies are focused on getting that uh, deal signed at whatever price uh, that they they lose focus of the problem that they're trying to so- basically solve for the client. And you're going to have an unhappy client that's going to fire you. So let's avoid that, send them to the where they need to land. And then down the road, you never know if they're going to be a fit for you. And that's, that's where we look at. Yeah. And we'd probably answer this question differently, depending on what scale and maturity we're at as an agency. Mm-hmm. Like we're yeah. talking agencies overall. We're also talking about our particular situation. Like in, in our scale at this level of experience, we're kind of coming from a point of a little bit of privilege um, where we can be more choosy. We can make these kind of like mm-hmm. all or nothing decisions like, oh, you're not a good fit. Well, tough, you know, go, <laughs> you know, there's lots of fish out there. Enjoy. Um, that has been something we've, we've leaned into through our growth as something that is bigger and bigger focus because we put the wrong client in the system. It just ruins everything for everyone, our staff, yes. ourselves, the client's not happy. It's just not something you want to go down that road. That being said, when you're first starting out any business, you kind of got to do what you got to do to make that first project, to get the mm-hmm. examples, to do the things. I'm not saying you go to the extreme, but there's always some trade-offs when you're when you're starting a business. So I, I would always say that there's fundamentals around this, this kind of client fit and making sure that it, it's a good alignment that starts with knowing your business model, doing the proper research up front. So, you know, you have to have in your mind an idea of who that customer is, you know, whether you're using personas or just market research and being like really strict about it, you know, who is this person? What is the value they're going to receive from what you do? And if you understand those things really clearly, that's one half of the equation. The next half of the equation is, are you delusional and do these people actually exist in the world and in enough <laughs> volume to actually make a business out of it? So, you know, if you get through those fundamentals at the beginning, then it's just a matter of refinement and becoming more aligned with that over time. It's really funny how in majority of our client discussions, it it's a lot of like business modeling talk. It's it's not even often marketing talk. And, and I think the scalability of your agency is a big part of that narrative, like you said, Jordan, because, you know, if, if you're a marketing student that's come out of university and you start an agency, you don't have that experience under your belt yet. You know, unless you're I don't know, parent or whoever, an influence in your life taught you the skills of how to run a business. You don't have that under your, under your belt. You just don't. And it's not until you're an agency of, I don't know, however many years for me, it was, you know, five, six, seven years where I, I kind of started going, okay, I've been here before. I've seen every challenge. I can now speak from, ex, you know, expertise. Um, so absolutely. Well, here's, okay. So here's the next question. Um, and I have stories. Um, hmm. I'm excited for this one. And I'm going to ask Jordan this one first because he's cold and heartless. Have you ever fired a client and why? Many, and I'm going to avoid specifics. <laughs> um, but yes, many, why many, did many you, clients. Why, are um, you, why are you saying that with a smile? You know, in, <laughs> that's a good question. Psychologically, I'm going to have to bring that up with my therapist. Um, but beyond that, I think the being honest with what your business is there for and who it's there for and who it's not. Sometimes, you know, that up front, like we were just talking about the sales process and like, how do you know when you have good alignment up front? Um, just like when you're hiring somebody, having the right assessment of fit is really important. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have the higher, slow, fire, fast kind of thing. Same thing in business. You know, when you're bringing a client on, it pays dividends to really understand, like, do you really need this? Is this the good thing for you? Is this what's going to bring you value? If yes, then great. You move forward with the best foot forward. Um, but sometimes along the way, they either learn something that, or you learn something that goes like, actually, you know, I thought we were 
you know, in alignment, but we're not. And, you know, when we learn that about a client or when a client learns that about us, it's usually the best rule to just be honest and upfront and brutal. Just be like, yeah, this isn't working for me. And as much as I'm not a kind of person at all that quits on things, I'm, I'm pretty stubborn in, in actual fact, you have to then balance that with like, okay, you know, maybe I'm okay with trying this out and like continuing to burn the candle at both ends to make it work for some unique situation mm -hmm. that's come up for a client. Um, but sometimes you got to call a spade a spade and look around you and go, okay, I've got other team members that are reliant on this. They're miserable. They don't have that same kind of alignment with things. Um, so, you know, making sure that you're setting other people up for success and being honest on both sides, that you're probably better off moving and parting in different ways so that they can find a better solution for them and you can continue to provide the value you were setting out to do to somebody else that's going to value it more. Barnett, have you ever fired a client? I have. And why? And why you know, coming from or working more on the creative side, um, it's usually come down to uh, design and taste preferences and uh, the clients that uh, we've parted ways with um, haven't been a good fit for the way we do our design process and um, or they're, they're never able to articulate uh, what they want. And at the end of the day, that's mm -hmm. just going to lead to uh, unhappy employees and an unhappy client and um, generally the clients that we have fired um, have been because we were wrong in the type of uh, uh, business that we decided to uh, work with. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it now, and, and those mistakes were really made early on in my agency career uh, that, uh, you know, where I was basically wanting to work for anyone and everyone. Um, and, and it resulted in making bad decisions and thinking we could solve problems when we couldn't solve problems. So um, it's not always that the client is wrong. Uh, you know, we have a tendency that we, we can get it wrong. Like we've mm -hmm. signed clients that it just were not the right fit. And yeah. uh, we, you know, we had, we had to uh, quote, quote, let them go. And uh, you know, best, best if in those right? cases, yeah, best intentions. And if we can give them a landing spot, and we, we certainly do. Uh, but uh, I, I, I try not to work with businesses that I'm going to have to fire six uh, months down the road. <laughs> yeah, that knowing up front is, is, is golden. However, that's not always the case. And you can't always be, you know, have a crystal ball in front of you. One, one thing that you did get me thinking when you were describing that, though, is like there are situations where even though in the moment it might be the best thing for you to do when you separate and go like, okay, you know, go separate ways. But then you have to reflect on that later and be pretty honest mm -hmm. with yourself and go like, mm, did I miss something there? Should I have been able to solve that problem? Should I have a different process? Maybe my alignment with my product and the market is different. So, yeah. I mean, you, do, you don't want to be in a situation where you're that grumpy teenager that's just like, um, you know, no one gets me, slam your door and stomp around. Next thing you know, no clients. <laughs> so yeah. the clients are telling you something. You do have to ask that honest question. Go, well, is the thing they're telling me the thing I want to be, you know, paying attention to or not? And it could be, no, I'm yeah. good. I'm good with what yeah. I'm doing. And I, we were just genuinely not a fit. Although I agree with everything you just said, I have seen a lot of organizations have a frustrated client and then go and change their process. When they were the yeah. only client in the last one, two, three, four, whatever, a decade of time that had that problem. And it was just a client that could not see things. It was too abstract for them. Or as much as you provided as much transparency as you absolutely could, they just had baggage from the past or trust issues or whatever it is. Um, I, always use, I always tell clients or staff that once a client has a bee in the bonnet, which for the record, I don't even know what that really means. But once they have a bee in the bonnet and they're ticked off, it will always be there. You may extinguish it or cause the bee to hibernate for a little bit, but if you trigger a problem that was similar to where that was caused in the first place, that bee's back. And so um, it's very difficult. But uh, again, back to what I was saying is don't go changing your pol your process and your policies and, and your workflows and your staffing just because you had one client or even two clients that mm -hmm. just could not get the system. Um, well... Parneet, if there was one thing, I like this question, if there was one thing you would want every client to know prior to working with you, what would that be? What problem they're trying to solve. Mm. I, I think that's uh, 
it's loaded because clients will come to us and say, hey, get me leads or hey, uh, I need more content on the website or let, you know, let, build me a website. Uh, but that's not what they're actually looking for. Or I want social media and, and what they really needed was $100,000 of revenue this quarter or whatever it was. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and, and clients coming in and dictating uh, potentially the programs that they want, which is, I think, uh, the, the worst case works. We're not at that point solving for a problem. We're just taking dollars and delivering a service and hoping that they stick around for more than three months. So, um, you know, narrowing down, if, if a client could come in and say, hey, my problem is I don't have enough revenue or I don't have enough leads coming in or my sales guys uh, don't have enough leads or, hey, I don't have a website, but I'm doing you know, so-and-so dollars worth of sales. Like, what do I do? Uh, th that's an ideal fit. Uh, but coming in and saying, give me social when you actually need a website or give me social when you actually need, you know, search marketing, uh, that's where it's hard. So, mm -hmm. you know, if I could have ideal clients, they would know exactly what they want and uh, be at least be able to articulate the problem that they have that they want to solve. Uh, but we don't always get the ideal situation. <laughs> Yeah. And it comes back to business development. That's where, you know, uh, you're able to, you know, talk to clients and kind of figure out what they actually wanted and uh, what they what they need and help them see the light. I'll probably go a completely different direction on this, although that is true. I would agree. Like knowing your problem, especially up front, is really important. And a lot of our business development process, Chris, you know, especially in the initial strategies, that's why we call it initial strategies is most of the time we're talking about business model fundamentals. Like what are we really trying to do here before yeah. we commit to doing anything? Um, but for me, this is a very atrium type answer. Like our, our viewpoint as an agency is a lot more about consistency as the end goal. So, you know, in under the, that lens, I wish customers knew up front that more and more of their marketing problems are very objective. They're not subjective. Like a lot of the kind of mythos of agencies comes from Mad Men and like seeing, you know, really creative geniuses come up with like really creative concepts to deliver on business goals. But in today's world, in the data-driven world that we live in, um, you can ask real questions and real, you know, have real goals about achieving sales that have nothing to do with creativity and have everything to do about putting the right pieces in the right place and the right method with the right technology and measuring those and making them better and just driving that outcome. Um, yeah. It's it's something that the type of client that works well with Atrium, they kind of eventually or right up get that point and they're like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I want. That makes a lot of sense to me. No one talks this way. Other times it's a little bit of a learning curve and they kind of like ease into it because of that, you know, the history they're expecting, you know, more of the, the ball pits and hammock swings kind of agency. But again, that's mm -hmm. a very atrium answer to that question. Yeah. My answer is similar, um, a little different, but it, it's, a, it's in alignment with that. Um, I think it's essential that clients expectations of what a program or a service can you know, accomplish for them is in alignment. So for example, if you go in and you're expecting uh, a, an organic search program where you're building content over time and trying to move the needle on your domain authority and so on and so forth and, the, you know, increase your rankings and you expect that to bring leads or sales or some form of conversion to your site in a month, it, like it's just not going to happen, right? So, I mean, that mm -hmm. does put a lot of weight on the strategy person or the business development person to make sure you're aligning them and putting them in the right program. But you need that individual to truly understand that, you know, hey, it might take six to nine months to get results. Or, hey, yes, your ads will get you results in a quicker amount of time, but there's a learning curve that X network goes through, or it takes time to produce assets or whatever. Um, or on the web development side, yeah, it's an eight to 10 week process, but guess what? The biggest delay is things like content or you, you know, not making meetings or whatever. And the realistic timeline is X. And so just setting that, that standard day one and helping them be in alignment with those expectations. Um, I think it matters. And the consistency factor ties into that Jordan, because, um, if you've set that up front, then they understand that what they're really trying to do is get is consistency in their model, consistency in their, in their marketing results, which helps them to get consistency and everything else that they're trying to accomplish. Um, that was a good question. Whoever, whoever put that one in, um, Hmm. 
I think we got time for two more questions. Sure. How do, how do you decide when it's time to expand your team or your staff? I can wow. probably start on that one. Like, do your earlobes um, tingle? Like, do you, is there like a, <laughs> you know, your nose twitches? Like, ah, I know now it's time. Yeah, we just we just throw darts at a board, and that's that's the date. That <laughs> and and, and a magic eight ball. Um, eight ball. Is it time to hire? <laughs> super scientific. Um, there's a bunch of different ways to answer that, and it's never like a universal answer. Like the, any good business manager has like forecasting that you do, and you're like, okay, well, if we hit this much revenue, then we're probably going to need X more people to handle that kind of workload. But in reality, it's really down to very specific things. It's usually down to this particular team has this capability, but we're weaker here. So maybe we're going to need to hire this particular body at this point. And even you're kind of doing the math on people's long-term trajectory, hopefully, as a, as a good manager, of where they want to go, your staff's own career ambitions, like how do we set them up for success? Who do we surround them with that's going to be mutually beneficial for other people on the team and develop new skills and challenge people in new, new and unique ways? So at least for, for the way that we approach these types of situations at Atrium, it's, it's much more um, complex, a lot of variables that we're playing with. At the grassroots, yes, of course, you've got to afford these people. You've got to be able to pay salaries that are competitive. In our case, we try to be above, you know, averages on on those mm -hmm. things, and you know, compensate well over time with with growth opportunities. Um, you know, these decisions do have a brass tax financial side to it, but hopefully, you also have some more human elements to it that, that factor in uh, about the growth of the abilities of the company and the growth of the abilities of the team members that make up that company. Well, and hiring the right team members also, you know, pushes that that question down the road sometimes too, right? Like if you hire somebody and, and they are lacking some skills, well, now you got to hire for that skill, right? So your hiring process leads into that too. Oh, totally. Uh, for me, I'm trying to stay one step ahead of uh, the needs really uh, is a challenge, especially with um, uh, the web design world um, where the requirements for how much staffing we have may change month to month. Uh, but the way I like to um, really operate our, our, our web design team especially is are we redlining and are we missing our goals? Um, are we able to deliver the product in the timeline that we have committed to? And if we're not, you know, we, we definitely want to be looking at hiring, but I think that's too late. So I, I generally prefer to have um, extra quote-unquote bodies in the office uh, mm -hmm. just so that we don't ever hit a spot where we're not able to meet those times. So uh, generally, if I have, the way I look at it is if we're hitting capacity on 90% of the team, that's when I'm going to be starting to uh, look for another developer or another designer. So I'm always staying ahead of that mm -hmm. curve. Yeah, and it, it is a tight margin business. We're not in like the business yeah. of selling more mortgage-backed securities on Wall Street. Like no. <laughs> we're in marketing agencies. It's a cutthroat business. You do have to be pretty careful about when you do pull these triggers, when you bring people on. Because the other side to that is you, you do too much of that and you weren't ready for it and the sales doesn't keep up or the economy changes and shifts mm -hmm. on you and you have to let people go. And that can be damaging not only to those individuals, of course, but to the whole company culture, the, the vibe that you're trying to build, everything. It can be kind of undone fairly quickly culturally when those things happen. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, as, as much as you can never prepare for every eventuality, the balance, the threading that needle is, is part of that job. And it's in a people-based business, it's our biggest cost, as we mentioned earlier. It's the main focus when mm -hmm. we're, we're planning the success and growth of our business. Obviously, Jordan, you answered it for, for our business, but um, I can't help but also just think that it's, you know, knowing when to hire the next employee or expand on a certain skill set or whatever is tied to so many different things. You know, like if your corporate culture isn't healthy, you lose staff, Right. So in order to expand your team, you have to know you have a reliable team to build on. So culture is important or your attrition and retention rates of your clients. If you can't rely on the sustainability of your client base, then it's hard to justify hiring another staff member because you don't even know if you're going to need them in a couple months, 
right? So there's all these things that kind of come into play that that you balance out. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to utilization. We, we have utilization triggers and then boom, it's like, oh, okay, you know, we have a little bit of room here for, you know, continual growth, but we're going to need to bring somebody on and get them trained and get them up to par so that, you know, they can, you know, kind of work behind people and collaborate and, and learn the lingo and how we do things at the company. So, um, all right, last question. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Ready. I think it's an important one. Um, and we're going to start with Jordan. If you had the knowledge that you had today back then, what would you have done differently about starting or running an agency? Hmm. You can ponder. It's okay to ponder. Well, yeah, I think I know the answer to this because the instinct kind of came out of it, which is I probably would have leaned in more faster. Um, I think, especially in this agency, there have been a, f a few aha moments where it's like, we've done the homework and I'm pretty sure this is the trend we need to be following. This is the thing we need to be changing yeah. into as an agency. And there's a hesitancy there, like, cause we're, you know, I'm, I'm not what I'd say completely risk adverse. I, I do like taking risks and kind of challenging myself, but lightly, I'm also not like a gambler, you know, I'm not yeah. going to, you know, bet everything on black. Um, but knowing what I know today, I would say, yeah, you know, trust, trust those instincts more and kind of, you know, you've done your homework, you put the pieces in, you've done the work and making sure that this seems like it's grounded in reality, then do it, just do it, do it as best you can, as hard as you can, as fast as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that plays huge dividends because the earlier you get started on something that growth trajectory adds up. So if you start something one month earlier, then you would have, you know, started maybe the second month that two years later means you're miles ahead miles ahead not one month ahead miles mm -hmm. ahead um so yeah that's my answer to that question um i think it's twofold one i would uh invest in process from day one i think mm -hmm. that's uh something that i personally uh struggled with uh and you know i think i, th I think everyone struggles with process as we grow and as we scale but i think um, had i concentrated more on how we deliver our services it would have uh, not led to as many painful lessons i, I think that's uh, th that's one thing uh, and the other thing is going back to the SaaS tools and the uh, shiny mm. object syndrome not having it <laughs> uh, making it <laughs> um, because that yeah, that that's not. It's, it, it can be. Um, um, it can sidetrack. It can uh, uh, make you look lose focus on what's actually important. It's called materialism. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so yeah, maybe not having that, uh, or you know, not letting that uh, overtake, um, you know, wh the mm -hmm. the work that we should be doing. It, it, those are two things that I think I would. Um, do differently had I started all over again. You mean you wouldn't you wouldn't have learned how to uh, be more firm with people from day one? You know, I would love to be more firm with people from day <laughs> You're one. You're so loving. That's been a. I know, I know. Uh, <laughs> uh, I guess uh, I think that's one of the the, the process impro uh, improvements mm -hmm. that have come over time um, is learning to be firm and not necessarily always be a yes man. Um, and being able to say no or, hey, that can't be done or, um, you know, questioning things when, when, mm -hmm. when a client has a request as to, like, w w w where is this coming from? And not responding by, let's do it. <laughs> Sometimes that is not the, the right answer to, for the client. What's your back to the future answer, Chris? Um, I struggle with this. I have learned a lot. Um, I mean, what do they say? They say the school of hard knocks is the, uh, the best education you can get, but the most expensive. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of the lessons that you learn don't come from success. They come from sucking <laughs> bottom line. But like you said earlier for another question, Jordan, you know, understand looking at those failures, dissecting and growing from it is important. You know, things like, um, you know, being slower to hire 
and firing quicker. I mean, I know that's, you know, everyone says those types of things, but I think that has mattered. That that's hurt us. That's and and every single time that we've not let somebody go because we were fearful of how it was going to impact a client or what it it was always fine in the end anyways. Um you know, and same thing applies with letting go of a client. You know, if a client is not a good fit and they're painful to deal with, let them go. Let them go. It is painful for your staff. And if it's painful for your staff, they're not going to be there forever. They start looking at management like they're not taking their job seriously. And if they're a writer or whatever, they start writing poorly for that client. Just it's human nature. They, they start to not produce the same quality of deliverables. And so I think, I, I think learning how to use a guillotine, um, um, is, is important. I think that was, well, I mean, there's been so many things I've learned, but I think that's one thing right off the bat that if we did, it probably would have meant hundreds of thousands of dollars more for the agency over, over the years. Mm-hmm. So this was fun. This was yeah. fun. Always. Fun. Let's do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, Chris. Well, I think this is like the accumulation of questions over several episodes, so we'll have to find a way to ramp up our our, our questions coming from the community here. But uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. fun. yeah, they're good questions. They're good questions. Um, you know, obviously, Jordan, you and I will wrap up the episode here. But um, Parneet, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you've been on an episode prior. Um, you work very closely with Atrium as a, as a, you know, as part of a sister company relationship. Um, our clients love you and, um, you bring a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom. I'm sure we'll do another agency session with you one day and, um, maybe next time I'll even let you know what the questions are before. Maybe that'll help you. That would be great. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, uh, it it was great to be here and I, uh, look forward to, uh, coming on to the uh, podcast soon again. Awesome. Thanks, Parney. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. You too. Well, that was a very different episode. I'm, uh, I'm glad that actually went uh, the way that it went. We'll have to do more of those types of um, recordings. We'll need more questions, like I mentioned. But uh, we kind of yeah, winged it's, it. It's just, yeah. Hopefully, that's adding value for you, the audience. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I know I enjoyed it on my end, but <laughs> it's, it's uh, to some degree, it's got to be for you guys. So. Um, yeah, I'm glad to, to see Parneet again and we'll bring him on in the future. Yeah, and to all those people who submitted questions, I know some were staff, some were uh, listeners, um, keep sending those questions over. Um, you can do so through the channel, whether it be YouTube or, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, you can email us, you can go to our website. There's a lot of different ways that you can get all that information through the descriptions of wherever you're watching your podcast. Um, Obviously, we do this because it's fun and we have a lot of passion around the topics that we that we cover. Um, all of our, you know, listeners, the followers, the pe- people who are engaging with us. Obviously, this is part of your passion as well. Um, tell your friends. Come back in two more weeks when we do another session and subscribe. Um, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you all. You know, we're on every single platform for podcasts. So if you don't know that... We're on Google, we're on Amazon, we're on um, Spotify, we're on Apple, wherever you get your podcasts, as well as YouTube. So um, those individuals who like to follow and watch us visually, continue to do so on YouTube um, and make sure you, you know, follow us on all your social media channels. So we appreciate you. Thanks for joining us today. Cheers. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>